As a small business owner, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the pressure of choosing the right hire or leading a team? Or have you ever found yourself tolerating a bad hire because you fear trying and failing again as you repeat the hiring process? If so, you're not alone and you are in the right place. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. The Growing Your Team podcast teaches business owners like you to expand your unique business by teaching you to master the hiring and team management process. Hiring and managing a team does not have to be a challenge. You just have to learn to do it right. And the Growing Your Team podcast teaches you how to become a confident leader who hires right every single time. Now, let's jump into the show where each episode, you will learn tips on how to identify what type of help you need on your team, how to source amazing candidates, how to conduct interviews that lead you to your idea team member, how to onboard successfully, and how to lead every person in your business so you have a team of rock stars who you are happy to pay every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Brooke Janosek. Brooke is a fractional CMO and digital nomad on a journey to intentionally live a joyful life. She is the founder of The Grow CMO, a fractional leadership solution for effective marketing growth that she founded in 2022 after two decades as a leading expert in the marketing industry. You can follow her digital nomad journey along with her lessons on the road at Brooke on the Grow. In today's conversation, we are talking all about hiring a fractional CMO. We are talking about what this looks like, why and when it would be a good hire for your business, and how to find a fractional CMO, so chief marketing officer, that is right for you, that has the experience and the skill that you need so you can get the most out of them. We're also talking about Brooke and her experience as a fractional CMO, so you can see the value that this position can bring to your organization when you're not ready to hire a full-time chief marketing officer employee for your company. So let's jump into the conversation so you can learn all about how you can get the power of a marketing expert on your team at only a fraction of the cost of a full-time employee. Hi, Brooke. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited for today's conversation. But before we get started, can you take a a bit and introduce yourself? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Brooke Janicek, and I currently, as of today, I'm in California, but I'm moving back to Texas on Saturday. Um, so, but I'm an original Nebraskan. That's where I'm from originally and, uh, have about 20, 25 years experience in marketing and advertising. So it's pretty much a hybrid between working in ad agencies and working on the, um, client side. 
And then in mid 2022, I started my own fractional CMO company. So what that means is companies of any size can hire me to be their CMO at a fraction of the time for a fraction of the cost of hiring a full-time CMO. So I just so happen to be working with a lot of startups right now. So they can't afford a full-time CMO with all the benefits and, you know, the entire compensation package with, um, you know, bonuses and things like that but they can hire me to work with them for a set number of hours a week. And it's more economical for them. And I get to work with a variety of clients. So um, yeah, and I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you are listening to this and you want to go find me on LinkedIn, go ahead and look me up. I post every day. Sounds good. Yes. And is it just your name on LinkedIn? Is that how we find yep. you? Yep. It's Perfect. Brooke Janicek. And then I have a little like sprout emoji after my name because I'm the grow CMO. So I help businesses grow, but I think it's perfect that I'm on this podcast because I love personal and professional growth. And so I'm really big on developing my teams, but developing myself as a person first is what's most important. So I can be a better leader. Yes. Yes. It's so, that's so, so important. Now there's a few things you mentioned in your intro that I want to dive into before I forget is first off, like you make the comment of people can't afford this full-time help, but they really need this expertise. And I have those conversations a lot. People are like, I need help, but I can't afford a full-time employee, but they're like, but I still want high quality help. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, like let's get out of this mindset that full-time employees are the only way to get high quality help. You can do things like this where you hire fractional help, where it's that contractor that's working for you, that other business that you're hiring. But then there's also sometimes part-time employees, people that are out there who only want to work maybe 10, 20 hours a week, but they still have the expertise. So I think that's so important to to press on is like full-time help is not the only way to get quality help. You're right. You're right. And And at my level of the service that I provide, it's more of a strategic advisory. And so usually um, they may have somebody on staff part-time already that's doing the execution work, but they need that that next level of strategic thinking and leadership to guide maybe a younger, more junior um, team member. So you're absolutely right. A full-time position is not the only answer and the only way that you can get the expertise you need to grow your business. Right. And I love that you said that about sometimes you have someone on your staff that just needs a little bit of guidance. I'm actually helping to fill a marketing role right now. And there's some candidates where I'm just like, this person would be amazing if only they had that person that could give them a little bit of handholding. So that way they could do their day to day. So I'm just like, they're not quite right for this role because inside the company and the organization, they don't have anybody to do that handholding. But there are those people out there where you're like, wow, you'd be amazing at, at what you do. If only you had that that little bit, that little bit of guidance. So yes. I'd like that. And some of that just comes from life experiences too. I, I, I've been around the block a couple of times, whether it's been in an ad agency or like I said, at a corporation. And so I've, I've experienced a lot of things that I can draw on those experiences to guide somebody maybe a little bit younger in their career. But it, I mean, a 30-year-old also could have some relevant life experiences. It's just, it, it kind of all depends on, what type of guidance uh, that person needs and uh, who can come in and provide that to them. Yes. Yes. I love that. And of course, that's what we focus on a lot of here at Growing Your Team. It's like, what do you need? Not what mm-hmm. does some other company need or things like that? What is What do you need? What does your team need? Because yeah, that guidance could be completely different or who that person is that's going to fit that role 
might be completely different, a different background based on what it is that you need. Mm -hmm. I'll give an example right now. One of my engagements, I was brought in to guide um, two women that um, are earlier on in their careers and their marketing careers. And, and the CEO said, I think they're smart. They have good instincts. They just need a little bit more confidence in, in their abilities. And so he's like, I just need you to come in and provide the strategy and literally grow my team. And so that's what we're doing is we meet weekly and they, you know, I say, I structure it as you bring to me what your questions are, and then we'll work through them together. And we do a lot of, um, okay, they'll come with a problem and I'll say, okay, what do you think we should do first? And then they'll provide the solution and I'll say, that's great. Here's how maybe I would approach it or you're right on. And so I think to your point, these two women just need some more self-confidence. And so that's what I've come in to help them, you know, grow their self-confidence because they have the business acumen, they understand marketing. They just haven't had enough at bats yet to feel like, okay, I can go into a room and definitively say, this is what we need to do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I love that. And it kind of goes like hand in hand with some of the things I've been talking about recently on the podcast. I know as we're going to record this about, I think it was the week before episode 196 with Heather, uh, we talked a little bit about training and everything and making sure that you're getting the right training for people and not just expecting that people are going to go out and be experts or even yourself that you go out and you're going to be the expert at everything. And sometimes you internally can do that training and other times externally, you need to do that training. And then I know there was another episode I recorded that will be live by the time this one goes live, but I don't know the episode number yet where I talked a lot about training on your team and knowing and having that understanding of can you do more entry level or do you need the higher level person and what are the cost benefits and around that one was around more of the line of we can't always be expecting other companies to train the workforce that we need that sometimes mm -hmm. we need to help train the workforce that we need but also talking about that sometimes us ourselves are not the right person to do that training so who can help you do that training and Brooke, like, as you mentioned, like you can come in and be that guidance, be that trainer that these people need. So the business owner can go focus on what they need mm -hmm. and they're still, their team's still getting that expertise and they're building that workforce that works for their organization versus depending on someone else to do it for them. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I love that. And it's actually where I get the most fulfillment for my engagements as well as I want to grow that next generation of marketers. I want somebody to feel like, they're growing personally and professionally. It's just, it's really fulfilling for me. I feel like at this point in my career, I've done all of the hand to key, you know, Google AdWords and stuff like that. Now it's time to really help people to empower them to be the next generation of leaders and to feel like, you know, they're harnessing their creativity in a, in a way that's moving their business forward. And so I get a lot of joy and fulfillment out of working with people like that. Yes. Yes. All right. So I have some questions and everything that came to mind while we're talking. Okay. And one of the first ones that I would really like to dig into is obviously if a business is at a place where they can afford to have marketing help, they can afford to bring in someone even at the fractional level, their business is producing money, their business is doing well. So obviously they did something to get themselves to this point in terms of marketing. Mm -hmm. maybe not everything, maybe they're not doing everything the best, but they've done something to get here. What would be some signs that they really need to bring in this strategic level support versus just bringing someone to do more executional work? 
That's a great question. And I think it really does come down to um, the business objectives and what they're trying to accomplish. And so some, you know, sales is a lagging indicator. So if their sales are down, it's probably, you know, that's an indicator of maybe our message is not resonating in the market. And so do we need to bring somebody in to kind of look at who are we targeting? Are we saying the right things to those individuals? What motivates them? Because a lot of times this comes back to messaging and our brand. And are we saying what is going to resonate with our audiences? So I would look at sales and see kind of where they're at in their sales cycle. Um, you could also look at do the marketing and sales teams, are they aligned? Because these two teams need to be in lockstep. So what I'm going to put out in the market as a marketer to generate that interest in the business is going to come into the business and then the sales team has to take over. Are we saying the same things? Because if we're not, and if we're disconnected, that's not a good look for <laughs> the business or to the consumer because they're going to be confused. They're going to be like, wait a minute, the ad said I get X, but now you're telling me I get Y. So I think um, looking for marketing sales misalignment is something. And then just even from how can we become more efficient as a marketing team? So are there any operations and processes that we need to put in place that's going to make things move uh, more efficiently through the organization to free up some time to focus on, you know, trying new initiatives? And um, lastly, your marketing team should really be looking at the data as well. So analyzing what tactics are working. And if you find that you're just not getting the ROI on things that you're trying, might be time to bring somebody in, you know, to kind of have that third party impartial look to say, look, here's where you're spending your dollars. Here's where it's not working. Here's what we should do to fix it. Yeah. Do you feel like speaking of data that it can somewhat be easier to measure marketing results now than it was before? Because before, if you're focusing a lot on TV spend and newspaper and radio ads, like there's not that click. So you can't really track it. Where now a lot more of the marketing is kind of digital where you can track clicks. So do mm -hmm. you feel like it's easier to measure the ROI of marketing spend? Um, that That's a great question. And that comes down to brand and performance marketing. And there's always this debate on how much easier to your point it is to measure the effectiveness of performance marketing, because a lot of times it is in the digital realm. So we have all of those tools that are disposable to track what's going on from an attribution standpoint. From a branding standpoint, I still think that we're struggling just a little bit to get to a true attribution model for that, but you can still look at other data. So if we're doing a, a huge brand awareness campaign, so say we did a TV spot or we're doing some podcast advertising, do we see search terms go up during that period when it aired? Do we see traffic to our website go up during that period when that spot aired? Things like that will also help. And then measuring consumer sentiment about our brand can also help. Net promoter scores is another way to measure effectiveness. So I think it is getting easier on the performance side. I just will say in caveat on the brand side, we still are, you know, trying to figure that out, crack the code on that. Yeah. But it's still one of those things like the marketing on that side still needs to be done. It's yes. the things that are going to impact the business, even if we can't directly measure it yet. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You have to fill the top of the funnel in order to convert at the bottom of the funnel. Right. Yes. That, that's a great way. Great way to look at it is filling that top of the funnel first. All right. Okay, so let's go back to someone's like really realizing they now have gone through everything and they recognize that they need this type of support. 
They really need someone that's going to help them strategy-wise. They don't need someone full-time, possibly someone to help them manage their team. What should they really be looking for when they go out into the market to find this type of help? When you're looking to hire um, any sort of outside support where it comes to marketing consulting, like someone that's niched down and maybe is like a social media specialist that is going to help you in that realm or a fractional CMO, um, really looking at... Uh, do they have results to prove? So, or proven results, excuse me. So do they have any case studies? Um, how long have they been in the industry? And then asking for some clear deliverables, like, okay, if I hire you, what is it that you're going to provide me? Are you going to provide a strategy? And then are you going to guide my team on how to implement the strategy? Um, and then are you going to hold them accountable to KPIs that we set within the strategy? So I think getting really clear, asking those questions when you're, interviewing the the consultants um, will help you. And then um, also listening to see if they are truly, hopefully you're going to do a discovery call, but hopefully they're asking you the questions that shows that they're interested in your business and understanding how your business works. So I always want to know, okay, tell me your business model. How do you gain customers? Are you B2B? Are you B2B to C? Like, I want to understand your distribution model so that I can, you know, kind of pick it apart and then figure out how are we going to, you know, get our message out there. So also making sure that they're asking the right questions of you. I think that last part is so important because I feel like when we go to hire, we look at sometimes the questions we as the person who's doing the hiring is asking out. And that is important. But I feel like, yeah, there's certain roles and everything where that person should be asking you as well, especially if you're going to that to that um, fractional CMO, if you're going to those contractors and freelancers that really specialize in a certain area. Are you the right person? Can they be successful with you? And as we talked about, you're not necessarily in place as the business owner to provide the training and guidance and help them take the skills that they have and develop them to be the skills that you need. You're hiring out because you need these skills now. You need someone who's trained in these areas and successful. So can they be successful for you? You know, marketing concepts are marketing concepts, but they're applied differently in different industries and and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also does this person, you know, if they're a fractional CMO, they're, you know, they may have given themselves that title, which is fine. I gave myself that title, but it's because I've managed a PL. It's because I have the business acumen and understand how businesses work. And so you just have to be careful that um, you're hiring somebody that has the business acumen as well at that level. Like just think about it. It's a, it's a CMO level role. It's just at a fraction of the time. Um, so just again, same way you would evaluate a full-time CMO. You've you've hopefully and are expecting them to have managed PL, budgets, teams, understand um, how the businesses work. Yeah. And understand and be able to show you that they have experience connecting what they're doing over here to what's going on in your business over there. Like you mentioned earlier, Brooke, the connection between marketing and sales. And that's actually with a few businesses that I've worked at or worked with that are bringing in these higher level marketing roles. That's one of the complaints that they have is either they've recognized themselves, like they were holding this role that they weren't really doing the work themselves to connect marketing and sales or the people they had in those roles before weren't making those connections. And it's like, everyone was operating in a silo. And I even know sometimes going out and speaking to candidates, they're like, and I ask them what makes a successful, let's say social media post. 
And a lot of them will immediately go to likes and interaction. And I sometimes know the best candidates are the ones that then say, well, that interaction, those comments and our likes are great, but what was the goal? If your goal is mm-hmm. awareness, yes, that's great. But if it's not awareness and it's, and it's sales, who cares how many likes we get? Right. Now, we can get two likes, but it turns into two $10,000 clients. That's great. We can get 10,000 likes and it results in $0. And unless our goal is awareness, that does nothing for us. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. And I actually had that conversation recently with my uh, marketing team member. I'm just like, you know, we we're talking about TikTok, which I'm not out there yet. And she's like, well, maybe we should do it or focus more on reels on Instagram and everything. And I just made it clear. I was just like, okay, we can do this. I was like, but here's how we're going to measure the success. I'm like, I don't care about going viral. I care about getting the results in my business. And if that means 50 people see a reel, 50 great people see a reel. I'd rather have that. Exactly. I had, I saw someone post on LinkedIn the other day that they're super concerned about the impressions that their posts are getting. And they said, why don't you just reframe your mind and think again, what's the objective? And honestly, if you got 400 impressions, congratulations, that's like speaking to a packed movie theater. So like that's better than nothing. Um, but yeah, again, it's just like, is the goal really to get impressions or is it because you want the right people to see your message and reach out to you and ask about your business? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we're finding our person. We're finding our person that can help us in the area that we need the help. You know, we go through, we ask those questions. They make the good questions back to us. So we really feel that connection. We feel that it's going to work. Like, how do we move forward with there from there? Because I feel like sometimes people then get stuck in this in between of what expectation should I be setting as the business owner versus what this person should be coming in to help me figure out what I should, what expectations I should be setting in terms of like the marketing goals and everything, because this is what they're supposed to, I'm hiring them to do. They are this higher level strategic role. So I feel like that sometimes creates this messy middle where the business owner doesn't know what to do to start once that relationship is formed to get the most out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say nine times out of 10, when someone reaches out to me to inquire about my services, what they ask for is not what they need. And so it is up to me to uncover what it is that you really need. So if they say, you know, oh, my marketing's not working. I need somebody to come in and redo all of our campaigns. Okay. Let me just ask some more questions. Like, have we, you know, did we just roll out a new product? Did we survey our customers? Um, you know, what has worked in the past, like digging into some of this stuff to understand, and then maybe ultimately uncovering, okay, we don't have marketing and sales alignment, or maybe we had a false start with a, a product launch. Like there could be a lot of other things than just this blanket statement of my marketing's not working. Um, so I think it's a push and pull to your point of the person doing the hiring, this, you know, the CEO or the president or the COO saying, we need help in this area. Here's what I think is going on here's all the information and then letting the marketing expert come in and say, okay, I've reviewed what you gave me. Here's what I think. And here's how I would approach it. So it's up to me to, to recommend how we're going to solve this issue and, or bring up new issues that I've uncovered. Um, a lot of times it's, Hey, we're talking to the wrong person. Our message is not clear. We haven't invested enough. 
or, you know, a lot of people hate to hear this, but we haven't given things enough time. Like you're, you're being too impatient with the campaigns. And if you don't see the results that you want in five days, you pull the plug and you move on to the next thing. And I've seen that happen time and time again, where it's like, we have to give some of these things a chance to work too. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that because I was actually just having a conversation with someone this morning and we were talking about launches for products and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were saying that they work in the sales area and they were saying that they seen a lot of burnout, that people don't want to do these big launches anymore because they're putting all this effort in and maybe they're not seeing the results right away. So then they, they just want to pull out. They're, they're dropping it. They're exhausted. They're burnt out. And so like now she says it's that kind of a pro- different approach that she's taken. It's like, yeah, we'll do a launch, but we're not putting, saying we're going to get 95% of our sales during that launch. That launch right. is the start point for that continual sales cycle. It's not launch, nothing. That is another mini launch, nothing. It's that how does that launch start the rest of the sales cycle? I love that. That That's a really good way of looking at it. And again, the consistency over time is what gets the flywheel going. So having that message out there continually, yeah, we can make a little, you know, a big splash in the beginning to say, hey, this XYZ product is here and here's why you should buy it. But then you have to keep reminding them of it and saying, oh, you know, don't forget, we're still over here, still same great product with the same great benefits. But um, keeping that message consistent is what's going to drive the incremental growth. Right, right. Okay. So this might be completely changing subjects a little bit, but all of a sudden, this popped in my mind and I didn't want to forget to ask. And maybe this looks completely different with every client. So it's all, it's going to be a, it depends answer, which, you know, is the basics of business. It depends with every, every question that goes out. Uh, if you're working with someone in this fractional CMO space, how often are you connecting with that client? So is it that we're having weekly meetings? We're having daily meetings. We are meeting different frequencies depending on what's going on. You know, is it one of those things where, yeah, like how often, like what does that relationship look like on that continual basis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I talk to all of my clients weekly, if not daily. It just kind of depends on um, their method of communication. I have one that you know texts me just real quick. Hey, I have a question on this, um, but without a doubt, I have at least one touch point with every client a week. So whether that's a just a quick email to say, hey, how's it going? Sometimes it's a phone call. And then sometimes I have dedicated one-on-ones with that client. Um, So it it depends on the scope of the work and what they need. If they just hired me for a very specific project, like I need you to create a marketing plan, then I'll kind of do heads down and get to work on it and kind of check in like, hey, I have a question about this. But these ongoing retainers, these ongoing relationships where I'm in the business, helping them grow, um, we have regular one-on-one meetings. Yeah. Yeah, And I love that because- and this is this is a reason that I asked is because it's kind of going back to something you said earlier in the in the episode, but we can sometimes get in these cycles, and sometimes that's the thing that we need to kind of focus on because you said you know those sales are those lagging indicators, and I know for myself this happens, and for a lot of the people listening to this podcast with the state that their business is in, that as the business owner we're still involved in a lot of things, so things get busy on our plate. Marketing tends to be one of the first things that goes mm-hmm. to the bottom of the list because when we're busy it's typically because we're busy with client work and we want to keep our current clients happy. And we're like, yes, I'm pulling in the dollars and all this great stuff is going on that all of a sudden we're like, these projects are ending and I have nothing in my pipeline. 
because I didn't do the work to keep Mm -hmm. that pipeline going. And that was the reason why I asked it, because I think it's one of those powerful things of you have this person that's keeping you accountable. That is, if it's the things that you as a business owner are supposed to be doing, or you're supposed to be making sure that this is happening in your business overall through in between those meetings, you have someone holding you accountable. You have someone that you have to sit there and talk to every week about, did you do what you're supposed to do? If not, okay. That person is going to be that reality check of like, all right, you were supposed to do this. This was supposed to get done in your business. It didn't. So therefore you're not going to achieve these goals or you're at risk. And, and and sometimes I feel like we just need that that high level strategic person that is holding us accountable for the things that we're supposed to be doing, or even making sure we're planning it properly with our budgets and things like that as the business owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a business owner myself, I you're exactly right. The I'm a marketer, but yet I struggle to articulate my own value proposition or um, do any sort of campaigns for myself because I am doing the work for my clients. And so I do need that accountability. And I've joined a couple different groups with other fractional CMOs where we hold each other accountable. Even last night, I sent my proposal um, to a couple of them to say, hey, can you look over this for me? Like, I just want to make sure I'm being clear. Is there anything in here that is confusing to you? Because I'm going to send it out to this client on Friday. So that is the accountability that I am missing as an entrepreneur um, that I had to go out and find for myself and make for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So we get it in different places. I love that. Yes. All right. Okay. Now here's, here's the, I think it's such an important question. We talked about kind of what that relationship looks like and everything. And there's so many people when they go to hire and they're building this team, whether it's a team of contractors or employees, they still want it to really feel like this team. But a fractional CMO is technically not your your employee. It's a contractor. It's another business that you're working with. How do we keep that relationship separate? How do we really treat that relationship to make sure that we're not trying to pull this person in as an employee when that's not what they are? Mm -hmm. I think that comes to down to boundary setting and that is on me as a fractional CMO and that's on the other fractional CMOs to set their own clear boundaries as well. So do you, how integrated do you want to become in the business to be effective? Do you feel like for me, um, if I am guiding these two um, young women on their careers, I need to be um, integrated with the business so I can understand what they're facing every day as a challenge. So I do have weekly meetings with them. Now they're asking me to start getting pulled into strategic planning sessions for the whole company. That's something different and not really, um, you know, what, you know, a three-day offsite wasn't something that I, I thought that I was going to be part of because that to me is more of a full-time employee thing. And so I just have to set the boundary to say, I am more than happy to do this, but that is out of the scope of work of what you hired me for. So I think it's being very clear upfront. Like, what is the scope of work? Let's outline it. Does that mean that I'm coming to your board meetings? Does that mean that I'm on the executive team meetings? You know, am I responsible for X, Y, Z? Like getting crystal clear about that and then holding those boundaries tight will prevent that scope creep and prevent that blurry line of, is she or isn't she an employee? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's being clear and upfront. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to go hire that fractional CMO, it's knowing kind of what you want ahead of time, because there's probably going to be some people out there to say, 
no, I'm not going to do these things. I never do these things for my client. And if that's something that you need, you know that that person's not right for you. Mm -hmm. They could be great at what they do, but if they're not going to match what you need as a business owner, it's not going to work. Where it sounds like, Brooke, like you might sometimes figure out what that scope of work is and build it into the package. So there's Mm -hmm. opportunities to this client be a little bit different than this client. Yes, exactly. And it is, it's very dependent on the business needs. So I just, I don't have a cookie cutter uh, approach. I don't have an off the shelf product. That's like, this is, this is exactly what my engagements are. It is based on what that business needs and where they have holes or gaps that I need to fill. And then I, you know, plan accordingly. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about kind of those gaps and everything in there. Like you mentioned this one business that you're working with, you have two kind of team members, two employees of the organization that you're helping to guide. Does that sometimes throw off the reporting structure or what does the reporting structure look like? Because technically you're not an employee of the organization. So do they report to you and report to someone else inside the organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right now they are reporting to somebody else in the organization and their boss is technically my client. So he is the one that's holding me accountable. He's like, hey, I want to see this, this, and this out of these two. So these are their KPIs, help them hit it. So at the end of the day, I'm ultimately responsible to him, but I've had to work to build the trust of these gals. And so now they do, they trust me and they understand that like, I'm not here to take their jobs. I'm here to make them better. I'm here to help them grow personally and professionally. And here's how we're going to do it together. And so, um, I think again, just being super clear up front, like, Hey, Brooke's not your boss, but she's a wealth of knowledge and a resource for you. So lean on her, ask questions, you know, they're confiding in me on things. Um, so I am, you know, seen as that trusted confidant, but at the end of the day, they still have who they report to, who pays their checks, all of that. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's such a great point to bring up because I hear that all the time where people are like, well, I don't necessarily want to manage this team. So I'm just going to bring someone in a fractional person that's going to manage this. And it's like, they can help kind of with the day to day, Mm -hmm. but someone on your payroll. So an employee of your organization or you yourself is still responsible for those employees. You can't just wash your hands with it and walk away and say, they report to that person. I'm done. It's no, this person's helping to guide. They're kind of like that, that team lead, that additional resource, but they still need to report. There still needs to be a reporting structure that goes up through your employee structure. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any final tips that you can give us as we're going to hire in this fractional space, either fractional in general or the fractional CMO space? Yeah. I'm glad that you said fractional in general, because it's not just a concept that is only for the discipline of marketing. And in fact, fractional CFOs, in my opinion, kind of paved the way for this whole wave um, that we're experiencing right now. And so I think um, as a company grows and they're trying to figure out uh, what they need, it's identifying, okay, do we have the resources internally to help us get there? And if not, what do we need? And do we need to hire somebody part-time or do we need to hire somebody full-time or do we just need a consultant to come in for one project? So again, it's going to be on a case-by-case basis and assessing the talent you have in the building and what you need in order to achieve the objective. So that could be a fractional CFO, could be a full-time CFO. It just kind of depends. From a marketing perspective, 
You're going to get a lot of people that specialize in very um, specific disciplines of marketing as well. Um, so think about, you know, do you need that or do you need somebody that can kind of look at the business holistically at the intersection of marketing and provide you some strategic guidance? Yeah. So it sounds like your biggest tip there is really do the work to figure out what you need, what type of support that you need. So you go out and get the right help because there are so many talented people out there that can help you. But if it's not what you need, it's probably not going to move the needle in the direction that you want. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. And if you're listening to this and you're figuring out, but how do I figure that out? There's people that can help you figure that out. Sometimes, sometimes it's even getting on a call, like a consultant call, a sales call with someone and figuring out what more do they do and helping to figure out and helping to understand the options that are out there. So that way you can kind of like dissect them and figure out how does that fit into my goals? What advice can they give me that can help me figure out what I need? Or also hiring someone that's going to help you dig into your business to figure out what type of help you need. So that way you can go and hire the right person. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Brooke, that about brings us to the end for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Uh, Like I mentioned, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way by searching Brooke Janicek on LinkedIn. I also have a website called thegrowcmo.co. So every time I type that out, I tell people it's not a typo. It's really .co. Um, Or you can find me on another website called brookeonthegrow.com. All right. Sounds good. And of course, all those links will be in the show notes over at growingyourteam.com. All right. My final question that I love to ask all my guests, we've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us. Think of a leader or manager who has stood out to you and share with us one thing about them. Okay. So I'll give a shout out to Diane Mendenhall. She has been a mentor and a dear friend of mine for years and years and years and was my boss for about five And the thing that I learned the most and grew the most under um, her was because of her leeway. I I don't want to say leeway, but just the, the freedom for me to take things and run with them. She believed that I could do it and kind of gave me a safe space to, I don't want to say, yeah, to fail. Honestly, like she gave me the safe space that it's okay, gave me some projects that maybe weren't um, super high profile. So I could cut my teeth on them, learn how to do some things and in a safe space. And she was always really encouraging. So I think that's where I learned the most is, okay, if I failed, I learned something from that. And this is how I'm going to change it moving forward. And it wasn't this really high stakes environment where, oh my gosh, I, you know, I would cost the company thousands and millions of dollars. So, um, I would encourage everyone to provide their employees and their teams with a safe space in order to try new things and, and let them know it's okay if it doesn't work out. Yeah. I love that. And if you think about it, there's so many skills that people want in their employees that revolve around problem solving, being able to overcome challenges. But if we never let people problem solve in their role or overcome challenges, people aren't going to grow those skills that we want in the other people that we hire or in those future roles. So I love that she provided that space to you because like you said, it really helped you grow to not just be fed everything, to test things out, be able to make changes and move forward based on what you learned. Yes, exactly. Yes. All right, Brooke, thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you for having me.
And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss new episodes. And if your favorite podcast app has the ability, leave a review and let us know what you love about the show. As you wait for the next episode, be sure to follow Growing Your Team on Instagram at Growing Your Team or head on over to growingyourteam.com to access more resources and learn how growing your team can support you as you master the art of hiring.